0: We're living in a time when conspiracy theories like QAnon have gone mainstream and dangerous misinformation is all too common, particularly on social media. But as the science communicator Liz Neely argues, all is not lost. Each of us can limit the spread of misinformation within our own social networks. Back in April, Neely spoke with Reset host Ariel Zuem Ross. If you're a longtime listener to this feed, you may remember that conversation. But Neely's tips have only gotten more relevant. So what obligations do we have to correct misinformation among friends and loved ones? Here's Liz Neely.
1: This is a challenging question, right? Because there's all different categories of misinformation. There are all sorts of beliefs that are incorrect, but not harmful. Mm. So I like to focus on information that is both incorrect, unjustified, and actively harmful. And then there's also whether or not I have any standing, whether the person who shared that information trusts me at all. Are they likely to listen to me because I have a limited number of hours in the day? I can't spend all day, every day online attempting to correct misinformation everywhere I find it. That's not a good use of my time and energy.
2: Okay, so hypothetically pretend I have a relationship with a family member that is spreading misinformation that I find harmful How should I go about having that kind of a conversation with them? How are we supposed to do this?
1: So what I try and do first is listen non-judgmentally and figure out what is it that they're saying and also what's their emotional state behind the claims that they're making. Mm. If someone is sharing information because they're feeling incredibly anxious and lonely... Maybe I can help fill those personal needs. What we need to do is address seriously the concerns and the emotional component that we see tightly tied up with a lot of conspiracy thinking, and then also help push people to explore information, give them healthier sources of information, provide alternative explanations in order to help them grapple with the combination of facts and feelings that we all have to navigate right now.
2: Right. So often when you're having a conversation with somebody who you disagree with, that common ground, that compassion, that ability to listen is the thing that can keep that conversation going instead of shutting it
1: down. I mean, I don't know. I don't have data on this, but I suspect that if we did a rigorous study, the number of people who've ever changed their mind because someone was yelling at them (laughs) um, is approaching zero.
2: So... When I'm approaching a family member, what are the things that I need to keep in mind as I am having this conversation?
1: When I'm talking to somebody I care about, I remember a bunch of different things. So, what we want to do is avoid inadvertently reinforcing misinformation. And we do this in a number of ways. The first one is you focus on the facts. You say things that are true. You don't repeat misinformation because that inadvertently makes it feel more commonplace, more normal, and that we have cognitive biases that make it seem more true just for hearing the repetition. So you focus on the facts. We also need to do something that um, starts with our shared values. Affirming people's identities, you know, thinking about what are the ties that bind us? What do we agree on? How can we start from there Mm. so that people don't feel like they or their ideological position is under attack from the science you're trying to share? I think it's also really important to keep your messages simple and to um, repeat them. Right, so we we want to do the healthy behavior of saying over and over and over again the best way that we can protect ourselves from this really scary situation right now is to you know social distance and to wash our hands frequently. You repeat the good messages, and then finally the other thing is um, one of the big problems with counteracting misinformation is that the the lie or the conspiracy theory, the wrong information is satisfying because it fills in an explanatory gap in our understanding. Mm. And so what we need to do is not just say, no, that's wrong, (laughs) but to provide an alternative explanation, right? To fill in why it is happening. And in a situation like the pandemic where we may not have satisfying answers quite yet, an additional thing we can do is to explain the possible motivations behind the people who stand to gain from pushing that information. So we can foster that healthy skepticism to get them to question the motivations of those who are, for example, selling unproven medications instead of just saying, well, that won't work. So
2: that's a great approach in these kinds of conversations. But a lot of the forces amplifying this misinformation are really big, whether it's a social network or RT, the Russian broadcaster. And so I'm wondering, can any one of us really make a difference when those are the forces that we're up against?
1: The most important thing for each of us to remember is that we are not powerless. We are not helpless in the face of these massive global actors. In fact, this is based on research. So in communication science, we have this important understanding that people don't make up their minds just based on what they see in the media or, you know, on Facebook. What's happening is called the two-step flow. People are exposed to information, and then they help make up their minds about it based on what their friends and family and other trusted individuals are telling them. Mm. So that is our role. I may not be able to personally do anything on the a global scale. I might not be able to personally counteract trolls or international agents. It makes me almost laugh to be like, I'm not a spy, you know? Right. What I am is... A trusted friend, I'm a daughter. I am the leader of an organization. I'm someone who my, my communities know. I care about science and I care about them. And so I focus I think globally, but I focus my action locally. And that is how can I be a node of trust? Someone that people respect and come to and I, and they can actually ask me the hard questions. They know I won't laugh at them. Or mock them, but I will take their worries seriously and I will tell them the truth as best I'm able.
0: Liz Neely is a science communicator. You can find her work at theatlantic.com and on the Story Collider podcast. That's it for our first week of Recode Daily. Skylar Swenson and Will Reed produced the show. We're edited by Gold Arthur and Taylor Macon. And Eric Gomez is our engineer. Big thanks this week to Liz Kelly Nelson and to my bosses, Adam Clark Estes and Sam Altman. I'm Teddy Schleifer. Have a great weekend.